terrific. Um, we'll pray and just uh, hope and pray that God is going to allow this message to fall on our ears. <laughs> that's, that's all. Father, we just give you thanks and praise just for being here with us today. We are extremely grateful for your presence here in our hearts and we just praise we are going to your word this morning in Romans 11 that you will help us to understand what you're trying to say to us here. Uh, and that you will help us to go away and just chew on this message and to really dive into this word for ourselves as well, Lord. We just give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, as I was going through this, just typical, like, wanting to just get the context of what the start of the chapter was going on about. You go through chapter 1 to 10, the gist of it pretty much is um, talking about, well, Paul's big question of did God, has God rejected his people? as he turned his face from the Jewish people. Um, and the answer is no, he hasn't, actually. He hasn't completely turned away from his people. And there is actually a remnant, uh, a, a few chosen people that are left, a few chosen God's elect, however you want to view it. Um, and Derek, last week when he was preaching on this, used uh, this as kind of like a connection or correlation between what happened with um, Elijah when he was saying, oh, there's no one left, there's none, God, everyone's left you behind, it's only me. And God went, no, no, you're, you're kidding yourself, there's 7,000 people that I've kept aside for myself. Um, so Paul wants to make that very clear, that although it looks like a large majority of the Jewish people have turned from God, um, he's trying to make it very clear, no, God's got, God's got people still. Uh, his elect that were chosen since the beginning sort of thing um, so we go straight into verse 11 and it's really like this is a really big chapter so keep that in mind if I'm if I go a bit too heavy on some stuff just um, feel free to I want you to feel comfortable to call out to me please um, so chapter uh, 11 verse 11 again I ask did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery not at all Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Now, um, I, I, I thought of my own personal experience when I, when, uh, I saw that, that chapter. You don't really want to make the whole Bible about yourself, but um, I've felt at times like when I've stumbled, I've, I've really, you look up at God and you go, man, you're a long way away. <laughs> Like, there's no way I'm going to get back to you. Uh, Paul asking this question is asking pretty much everyone who reads it, do you really think that anyone who falls is beyond recovery from God's reach? Uh, and it gave me a call back to Romans 8 where there's nothing at all. There's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love that God has set before you through Christ, which is such an awesome thing. It was... Uh, just constantly being reinforced. Just, you guys don't need to fret. You are not beyond God's saving grace. There is nothing that is beyond God's saving grace. But the amazing thing about it was that the way that this is, the constant message that we're calling back to of how God can use our sin and our transgression in order to bring about the glory of his kingdom. Uh, which is awesome because the Jews, if they didn't kill Christ... How would we have ever known about Christ? And it goes on further to explain this about the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff, the patriarchs. 
but their transgression, the transgression of the Jews, is what has brought salvation to the Gentiles who are outside that promise to Abraham. So it's such an incredible thing. That, that is God's sovereignty at work. That is God being able to use sinners to use an imperfect world in order to bring about the glory of his kingdom. Uh, we go on then to verse, verse 12. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater... How much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? Now, what this is saying, you've got a remnant at the moment. We've got a remnant of the Jews left. But what Paul is saying, he's saying, now, that last remaining remnant, that, 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 brought, that brought Gentiles into the family of God. Them, the, those last few Jews spreading the message of the gospel brought the Gentiles in, almost in full just to believe and to accept this message. And what they're saying is how incredible, how incredible it will it be with just this few, this speck of Jews at the moment bringing this message, how incredible it will it be when they all come back to the family of God and they are all preaching the gospel as one church. It's such an incredible thing to think about because you think just such a small selection of people that God has brought up in order to spread this message, for the I just I want to sorry I just I keep hanging on it. But um, how, um, how amazing is it going to be when these people all come to believe? So like you see people on the street here. How amazing is it going to be when they all believe? But this here, this particular con- context, is talking about the Jewish Christians back in the time of well, post Christ. Um, but it's just such an incredible thing. Like to think about the riches we get to experience of the gospel for ourselves now. To think about how incredible it will be when there are so many more that are preaching the message of Jesus and all confess that he is Lord. Um, we, we cruise into verse 13 and 14 then. I'm talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Now, this was a bit, this was a bit crazy when I saw it, because I was like, does this mean that Paul and his ministry is hoping to make other people jealous? But that's not really the goal. His goal is not, I just want to make people jealous, so then, you know, they covet after what other people have, sort of thing. Um, but he's more saying, I wanted to invest so heavily into the Gentiles and into my ministry towards the Gentiles that the Jews actually see that ministry and they go, I want to be a part of that ministry. I want to be a part of this spreading of the gospel. I actually want to believe in Christ and I want to trust in Him. Um, Rather than out of typical jealousy, I thought of an example this morning where a jealous situation, uh, me in primary school, where the kids are, there's a well-behaved kid in class and the teacher pulls out the typical jar of lollies and, like Rob almost, gives, gives a lolly to this well-behaved kid and goes, hey, miss, can I have one? He goes, well, Ned, you haven't kept your mouth shut the whole lesson. How could you expect one? I went, oh, you, I'm going to get that freaking lolly. So I kept my mouth shut for the rest of the lesson and by the end of the lesson I got myself a lolly. But that is out of a jealous, jealous and 
self-interested heart. You know what I mean? I was very selfish and I was like, I want what you've got because I know that it'll be good. But that's a temporary thing. That's a stupid lolly. You know what I mean? But what these, what Paul is hoping is that the Jews will be jealous after God's heart. They will be wanting to chase after God and accept Christ. Something that has eternal value, that, that can't be selfish. Because the second it becomes selfish, you start to crumble and you start to fall. Um, it's just, it's awesome stuff. Feel free, just jump in whenever. If you have something to add, I would really love for you to add something in. Because it's all pretty heavy, awesome stuff. So, um, so we'll continue on with verse 15. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world... What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Now, this is, this is bringing back again to that, that same point we're talking about before. Their rejection, these, the amount of Jews that rejected Christ and pinned him to that cross and were angry at him and were spitting at him. If all of those guys came back to Christ and came back to God and that understanding, it would be an absolute miracle. Something like life from the dead. Because at the moment, these guys are, well, to be a bit of, I don't know if it's too much of a stretch, they're, they're in a way dead to God. They've, they've closed their hearts off to it. But just to think about the, I, I'm, I'm, I was just blown away at the fact that we are enjoying the riches of the gospel through reject, initial rejection of Christ. And most of the world still rejects. And we are still enjoying the riches of the gospel for ourselves at the moment. And it's nuts. Like you imagine how incredible it's going to be when so many more people come to Christ and accept that message of just how amazing he is and how amazing that grace is that he has shown towards us. Um, I just, yeah, I kept, I kept writing through, through my sermon notes. Just imagine, just imagine if everyone believed in Christ. Like, how nuts is that? I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that there, there's, what, eight to nine, maybe even ten people here, 12 including kids, and you just, you go, how amazing is that that there are that many believers here in this room right now? That is nuts. But imagine, just imagine the riches of everyone believing in Christ. That is just, for me, it's just kind of what I clung on to during this entire chapter. Um... But we'll, 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 keep, we'll keep moving along so I don't bore you half to death, sorry. But uh, <laughs> if the part, uh, we'll go from verse 16. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, I, when I went through this, and this is where I, encourage, I bring my encouragement to, to actually research what you're reading. Um, Go and have a look online, find what you can read about these chapters. Because my assumption when I read that, I was like, oh, this is obviously talking straight up about Christ. Uh, this is, this, this, uh, the root is holy, so are the branches. You know, I thought, oh, we're, we're, you know, we get our holiness from Christ, which is true. But as I read my commentary, the guy kind of shut that down a little bit. Not completely, but he said... Uh, so this is by, by Cranfield, uh, his commentary on Romans. It is widely accepted among scholars that is actually referring to the patriarchs because this whole chapter is more or less talking about the Jews and turning away and all that kind of stuff. But he is say, say, talking about the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all that kind of stuff. 
But they were, he wanted to point out as well in this commentary, these patriarchs were not holy by their own merit. It was by God's work that they were holy. But what it is talking about, because of the, the Jewish heritage, he's trying to explain, Paul is trying to explain, see these Jews, that, that, is, that is their promise. By their, that is, you know, their ancestors were promised that these guys would be a part of God's family forever. Um, so it's talking about, yeah, the, the roots uh, that is holy, so are the branches. So it's like I imagined a family tree. Uh, if you see those family trees all the time or you see the Ancestry.com stuff that's freaking everywhere at the moment, you see at the root of it is, well, it should be God, I thought. It is. It is God. But coming up from that at the next part of the roots is the patriarchs. And it's, it's a very confusing thing. I really... I. <laughs> I was really kind of happy with just believing that it was Christ, but I don't want to be factually wrong here. So if you want to research it for yourself, feel free to dive in. But um, yeah, so that, that working up is like a family tree thing. Because Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were promised these amazing things, then the rest of the tree, the rest of the family will benefit from that. Um, so we're going to verse 17 to 19. I know I'm kind of cruising through this. Feel free to pull me up if you don't agree or pull me up and say something. I want to keep saying that. Feel comfortable. Um, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Uh, and then you will, uh, you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Now this is where I kind of, uh, I kind of got the, yeah, where I kind of, I don't want to say that I disagree with scholars, but where I kind of got the Christ as the root sort of thing, because you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Now, I will be completely honest. I don't think that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saved me. I think Christ did. And if my heart is rooted in Christ, then that's where I'm getting my life from. So I just want to, I want to throw that out there. That's where I'm kind of getting my idea of that from, is that the root that in which we all should rely on is Christ. He is the bringer of life completely. But... Um, I found this extremely interesting. Uh, we, we've been grafted into the family of God. Now, if you've never seen it, um, Steph's, Steph's uh, grandma and grandpa, they, they own a property down in South Australia where uh, grandpa is actually, he has enough, doesn't have much gardening space, so he's actually shown me where he's like taped on other branches to a tree and has grafted it on and left it there for a long time until eventually that, that branch is able to sap from the root of that tree, which is a pretty awesome thing. And in a way, this is kind of talking about us. We, we've been grafted into the family of God. We didn't belong to the promise of the patriarchs. We're not Jews, by unless you are. That's pretty cool. But we're, we're, we're uh, you know, not Jewish Christians. We're, we're the Gentiles, sort of thing. We're outside of the promise. Um, and I just found it amazing because uh, we, we can't actually look down on people that, that are broken off, especially Jewish Christians and stuff that kind of fall off because it's like, who are you? These guys, their ancestors were given this promise of, you know, 
<laughs> this promise of holiness and to be a part of God's family. We've received that promise through Christ as a part of their disobedience kind of thing. That's, that's kind of nuts. Um, so Paul wants to kind of address that and say, do not, do not look down on people that have broken off because you've merely just been grafted in. If you're going to use it as a way to hold superiority above other people and think to yourself, I'm way better than this person who's fallen off the bandwagon kind of thing. He's like, you can't. You can't do that no matter who it is. The promise is, the promise is there. It's, it's just... <clears throat> but anyway, sorry, I'll get back to my note. We, can, we cannot look down on people who break off because we've received salvation through Christ. Not through our own efforts to try and hang on to the family of God kind of thing. Uh, so it's nothing of us. And I just thought it works really well. You, you don't really see uh, trees that have like, in, in a weird way, like a building that are subdivided where the branches all of a sudden decided, I don't need to, I don't need to tap into the, <laughs> the, the roots nutrients anymore. I can just cut myself off from here and I can create my own life source. doesn't flame and work. You cannot. If you are a part, and this is where I'm just jumping straight into the whole Christ part of it. If you are not a part of Christ, you are off. If you do not have Christ in your heart, you are, you are just completely cut off. And the incredible, I say that with confidence because that is kind of what's talking about, but uh, you, you, do get, you do get cut off. Not eternally, thankfully, and we'll go into God's work in just a second, which is incredible. But you can't actually create your own life source. You can't, you can't do that for yourself. God has given you life. And through the Spirit, you've been brought into the family of God. If you decide one day, I can do this myself with works-based type understanding. Like, I, I constantly fall into I'm not targeting anyone here. This is me having a crack at myself. If everything, I can work hard enough in order to, you know, make my own existence worthwhile. You can't. You cannot do it unless you are tapping into the life in which Christ has given us. You are dead eternally. That means forever. <laughs> it's 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 just as simple as that. Um, instead, the the incredible thing was that when you see people either get cut off or cut themselves off from God, we actually need to adopt the view of just some people break away and we need to be grateful, eternally grateful to God that we've actually been grafted in. Some people will break away and some people will not come back. And that, that is heartbreaking to know that people just leave that behind. But we need to look at that with praise and honour to God because it is because of God, that we can be grafted in and we can be given eternal life. Uh, I feel like I'm rambling. Feel free to tap your watch if you feel like I'm going on uh, and I'll keep wriggling on. Um, So we're going to verse 20. (coughs) Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Now this hit, very, this hit extremely hard. 
We're reading here at the moment. I want to continue to put this back into the context of where it's from. We are reading about the Jews, the descendants of Abraham, who have turned away from God, and God has cut off. They have been... These guys were promised. They were a part of the promise from God to the patriarchs. So I sat back and I was like, oh, well, stuff me. I can't sit on my high horse. I can't think, you know what, I'm, I'm in the family of God. How good am I? I've been there where I've looked down on people who have turned away from God. It's a pretty scumbag thing to do, actually. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly. But the thing is, is that we stand by faith in Christ. It doesn't say you stand on your own two feet by all the good works that you have managed to do in your entire life. No, Ned, you have done nothing. You stand by faith in Christ alone, which is just... I'm sorry, I get really encouraged. Uh, I don't really want to say sorry for it. I get really freaking encouraged by this message. God has just... You get to stand there by faith in Christ alone. That is an absolutely phenomenal thing for us. That is nuts. <clears throat> Not by our own efforts. And the amazing thing is, as we read on further, we need to actually have, we need to have a healthy fear of God. We don't need to be deathly afraid, but we need to have a healthy fear to see God did not even spare the natural branches, that referring to the Jews who are a part of the promise. He didn't even spare those guys. Of being cut off. You are outside. You are outside of that unless Christ is involved. The only reason we can cling onto the tree, we can be a part of it, is because Christ has brought us in. That is the only way. And I just I found it I found it incredible because like you just I, I take for granted sometimes being a part of the family of God. And to see that, hey, you need to have a healthy fear. God, God is sovereign. He has his plan for the world. He has his plan for you. He can make a decision to cut you off. Which is nuts. It sounds insane to say. But it's true. We don't understand the way God works. Uh, and I don't know if we ever will. Which is an incredible thing. Because he is, I don't, if we understood his ways, I feel like my head would explode. <laughs> like there's just so much that God does where we just cannot grasp it. Uh, where am I? so we go on to verse 22 to 24 now this is where the hope is really brought back in for the, the Jewish Christians or the Jews mind you consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God sternness to those who fell but kindness to you <coughs> provided that you continue in his kindness Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Uh, where am I? Twenty-two to twenty-four. So we'll log all this together. And if they do not, if they do not persist in unbelief, so that's the Jews, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree. So this is wild olive tree, that be the tree of the Gentiles and the, the cultivated one being the family of God sort of thing. Uh, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, 
be grafted into their own olive tree. Now, this is something that kind of goes outside of our understanding. <coughs> um, I'll, I'll talk about God's kindness and his sternness first. This is the incredible thing about God's sovereignty and God's just, justice. Uh, God is holy. He can't stand sin. So if just because the Jews were promised through Abraham to be a part of the family of God, if just because they turned from God and went, no, what God, no, stuff, yeah, I don't want to. If God went, oh, but, oh, you're part of the promise. Oh, oh, I'll make an exception. He can't. If the Jewish people wanted to choose to live in sin, if we wanted to choose to live in sin, that's it. It cuts out really all (laughs) self-importance. You know what I mean? For myself, it cut out all self-importance. Like I can bring anything, I can add anything to God's work. Because God can't deal with sin. If we choose to turn away, God will merely just go, okay, if you want to chase your sin, I'm going to show you that if you want to chase it, it's not going to end well for you. But the incredible thing, and this is talking about the, the Jews now, talking about the wild olive tree. So we're a part of the wild olive tree being grafted in to the cultivated one. And the cultivated one being the initial promise of God's family. He is saying that God can manage to graft a dead branch back to life. Which is unheard of for, for our world because once a branch is dead, we can't necessarily graft it back in. But God is able to bring his children, his family, he's able to bring them back. And Paul is saying how quickly will they accept the message of God once again once they are grafted back in how quickly will they just pick up and be running if you have any questions jump in and ask please I I don't want anyone to be lost in this and I don't want to feel like uh, the way that I talk is kind of throwing you around the bend so um, yeah I had here just written a, a, a Little note, hope is not lost for those who turn away from God. Because um, God has the power to graft them back in. That, that is just a simple line that I should have stuck with rather than rambling on. There is no, the, the hope is not lost for people. God is always at work. And He's always able to bring you back. And you just have to know that He's there and He's waiting. It's, a, it's an incredible thing, the promise of God. Um... We go into verse 25 now. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will, turn, he will turn godlessness away from Jacob and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. <coughs> um, so just to quickly address that little part, just because I had it all kind of lumped together for myself here.
The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob being Israel. That's an incredible thing, talking about God, talking about Christ, coming down and taking away the godlessness, the, the, the death away from Israel. That's God's covenant. And it's an incredible thing. Israel, this is God, look how, this is where I just, I want us to understand, I want myself to understand God's sovereignty at work. God just being completely outside of anyone else's authority bar his own. Israel has, this is, this is still the later half of verse 25. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. So that's not, that's not everyone, okay? We, we, Paul is constantly calling back to that. They have only experienced hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And then verse 26, the first part, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. God's sovereign plan was to harden part of Israel so that we could be brought in and experience the promise of God for ourselves, can enjoy the promise that Christ has brought about and the love that he has set before us. It is just, that's where you don't understand God's work. He's had to harden certain people so that we could be accepted. I just, for, yeah, for me, it, it blew my brain apart. I was like, I just don't, oh, man, I really cannot grasp why God does what he does apart from he just does. <laughs> and the, the, the end part, which I love, the, the doxology, which we'll get to at the end, it is, it's awesome. It covers that even more, which is incredible. But, sorry, I'll get back into it uh, <laughs> So put simply, the reason the Jews became enemies of God is so God could bring in all who were not a part of the promise to the patriarchs. However, it was also to prove, uh, as we go into verse 28 onwards, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. Okay, This is the thing, if I feel like I've been talking your ear off about the patriarchs and all that kind of stuff, this is where it comes to fruition here. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, on account of the promise that God made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Okay, <laughs> For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Okay, He cannot take back his promises. He cannot change his words like we can because we're a bunch of liars and sinners. Okay, He cannot change it once he said... I promise you, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky, like the grains of sand. Like it's, God can't change that. He made that promise to them and that's never going to change. <clears throat> Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient. Man, this is wordy. In order that they... <laughs> They too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Oh, this will make sense in a second. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may, he may have mercy on them all. Okay, I'll read that last bit again. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Okay, now... 
It's very wordy. I apologise. You guys might hear that and understand immediately what, what Paul's talking about for myself. My brain is like, oh, what's happening? Um, so the Jews were passed over the disobedience so that they can't sit back and be entitled that they are a part of the promise. They are still a part of the promise and they are loved because of that, but the reason why all this has come about is so that God can show that he is merciful and he is loving to everyone. That none, none in the entire world, no one at all, is outside of needing God's mercy. Okay, and that is, that is put very clearly here. You might have people in the world that you hear are like, oh no, but I'm a pretty good person, I'm pretty great, I've done everything that I need to. Don't stress, I'm all good. But Paul has stated here, for God has bound everyone over to disobedience. That's not everyone bar Ned. That's not everyone bar oh, the good folks of Duran Bandy, oh, the good folks of St. George. Every single person in the entire world was passed over to disobedience so that God may have mercy on us all. Um, so, we're coming to pretty much the closing part now of me talking your ear off. But this part here is, I was talking to Derek about it this morning. Doxology, at the end, and if you think I'm using a big fancy word because I'm smart, I'm not. It actually is referred to as a doxology in the Bible, so (laughs) I'm not just pulling this stuff. Um, It's pulled from all different parts, but I want to just completely explore these these last, uh, well, four verses altogether. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, as I read that, I was like, man, this is perfect. You just kind of want to post this up whenever I'm like, walking through the house and I'm thinking, you know what, Ned, you're doing pretty well today. You know, you kind of deserve a bit of God's love. And then you read just that collection of verses right there that is talking about, you know what, you've done stuff all. Because that right there, those four verses that we just read, they are talking completely about God, completely about the work of God and how out, like God is completely outside of our understanding of well, what we can even grasp. Like that's just, I want you to understand this with me. This is nuts. Like just the depth of the riches and wisdom, or the, depths of the, or the depth of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. Okay. You'd be a freaking treasure hunter for all we care. You'll never discover the riches, the wisdom, or the knowledge of God. It's impossible. It is unsearchable. Oh, 
just 34 and 35, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? That right there is just, I'm like, yeah, you, if that doesn't scream, you can't bring anything to God. You can't at all, except for goodness sake that Christ has done it. Because he has. From him, through him, and for him are all things. I'm sorry, I keep going a bit slow through this, but I'm just like, this is, I want us to understand, and I'm kind of screaming it at the moment, because my thick skull just can't seem to grasp the things that I'm reading and the things that I'm saying sometimes. But it is such an incredible thing to be told. God's in control. You don't, under, you don't need to understand what he does or why he does it. You actually can't even bring anything to the table in regards to the work of God without God's intervention. Without the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, there is nothing you can bring. Everything is from God. Everything is for God. Everything is to bring glory to him. That is our entire existence. And it's an amazing one. Take courage in it. To be told that the work has been done for you, you have been saved through faith in Christ alone. The Holy Spirit will work in your heart in order to bring about the glory of the kingdom of God. That is such an amazing life to live. That is such an amazing promise to be a part of. And I want to take courage in that for myself and I want you guys to take courage in it. And I know most, well, all of you do here. I can, t- I, can, I can have confidence in that. You understand completely what Christ has done for you. So take courage in that promise. Enjoy that promise. It is such a magnificent thing. And our calling, pray that more people will understand. That is the pretty much, that is all you can do. You can read the word of God trust in his guidance and you can pray that more people will understand this great promise that Christ has set before us. That's what we've got. Man, God is just, I'm sorry, I I keep apologising, I should stop apologising because I want, I want what I'm saying to have a, you know, well I want what Paul is saying to have a bit more merit but I'm apologising all the time so I feel like I'm shutting it down too much but you understand it's incredible. Uh, we're we're going to pray together now and then we'll, we'll, we'll head into communion, I reckon. So, uh, Father, we are extremely grateful for this promise that you've brought us into. We thank you that Jesus took away our sin and showed us just the muck of our own lives and brought us to be a part of life with you. We pray for for all who have turned from you, God, that you'll be able to do your amazing work in bringing them back into the family of God, into your family. We thank you just for everything that you've spoken to us about today in Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, Lord, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit will help you give us understanding of what we've read, and I pray that you will give us yeah, you will give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And let's pray, Lord, that you will help us to, to go out again and keep reading this word and keep enjoying the word that you've given us.
so that we may grow in faith and in love towards you, God, and we may understand the depths, we may enjoy, rather, the depths of your love and your mercy towards us, God. We thank you. We thank you so much for the work you've done in us here, God. And we just pray that we will be constantly grateful and in praise to you, God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.